Welcome to Good Girls Talk About Sex. I am sex and intimacy coach Leah Carey, and this is a place to share conversations with all sorts of women about their experience of sexuality. These are unfiltered conversations between adult women talking about sex. If anything about the previous sentence offends you, turn back now. And if you're looking for a trigger warning, you're not going to get it from me. I believe that you are stronger than the trauma you have experienced. I have faith in your ability to deal with things that upset you. Sound good? Let's start the show. Today, we'll meet Lois, a 70-year-old cisgender female who describes herself as mostly white, straight, married for 38 years, monogamous, and postmenopausal. She has three grown children. In this interview, Lois talks extensively about the childhood sexual abuse she experienced until age 14 and the shame that followed her into adult sexual encounters. She also talks about participating in free love during the 60s and how the wonderful sex she had with her current husband has dwindled as they've gotten older. I'm so pleased to introduce Lois. I am over the moon that we are talking today. Um, I have specifically been looking for women who are postmenopausal. <laughs> I am very postmenopausal. <laughs> so when you said yes, I was absolutely thrilled. Thank you for doing this. You're welcome. Um, and just before we started recording, you were saying that uh, you had some second thoughts after after agreeing to do it. So can you just, uh, you know, say again what you were telling me before? Yes, I was, I was nervous about doing it. I've, I've never done anything like this before. I don't really talk very freely with people either. So I was nervous. And a couple of times I thought that I would cancel it. But then I said to myself, why, you know, why do you want to, why not just do it? I'm not going to be hurt by it. It's not going to hurt me in any way. So do it. Yeah. It's an experience that I've never had before. And I love you. <laughs> Aw. <laughs> well, I love you too, even though we've never met in person. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but, but I think that um, being nervous is absolutely appropriate um, for doing something like this, because who does have conversations like this for the most part? Right. Yeah. I mean, I have them regularly, but that's because yeah. I'm choosing to do that and creating the <laughs> right. space for it. <laughs> right. Right. And it was actually asked after listening to a couple of your podcasts that I thought, can I get into a conversation like that? Well, yes. Why, why, why can't I? Why not? All right. I'm 70 years old. If I can't do it now, when can I? <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, let's dive in then and, and see where this goes. Okay. Um, so the first question I ask everyone is, what is your first memory of sexual pleasure? Um, well, I started having sex when I was 15. But, and I don't know if this is, this is a road that we want to go down. Um, I was sexually abused as a child. I'm sorry. So sexual pleasure for me is kind of a, 
mixed thing. Sure. If you want, if you know what I mean. Sure. Um, when it is a pleasure, it's a pleasure mixed with guilt. Mm. So that's about how it's been always. Yeah. I would like to ask you some more um, about those early experiences, if you're open to talking about them. Yes, I am. Okay. So how old were you when the abuse began? I think about six or seven. Hmm. Just around that age. And was it ongoing? Yes. Yes, hmm. it continued for years until I was around 14, where I, I, I was the one who put a stop to it and just said to my abuser, you can't do this anymore. I don't want you to do this anymore. Wow. Don't do it anymore. And that's when it ended. That's incredibly brave. Did did your abuser listen? Did they yes. continue pushing? No. Hmm. And that was very difficult because then I thought, what if I had said stop sooner? Hmm. But it stopped. I imagine you weren't ready to say stop, not because you wanted it to continue, obviously, but because you needed the internal resources right, to be right, able right. to say stop. Right, right. Yeah. It wasn't until I was 14 that I realized that, you know, maybe I can just put a stop to this. When you're a little kid, you go along with what adults tell you. Of course. You don't, even though you might know that there's something strange about it or something not right about it or something's out of sync you do what the adult tells you to do. Absolutely. And was the adult, uh, was the abuser threatening you in any way to keep quiet? Well, it was implied. It was always, you know, the little shush, the little yeah. shush, like this is our secret. This is, you know, just between you and me. Shh. Oh, like making you the accomplice. Right. And wow. the, you're my special, you're my yeah. special. Mm -hmm. So, you know. And was there internal penetration during the abuse? No. Mm -hmm. No. Not that I remember. Yeah. It's hard to remember exactly because when you are a child, you're not really cognizant of exactly what's happening. Sure. If you know what I mean? Yeah. And fourteen at 14 is when I said... You, you must stop. But before there, there were times that I tried to avoid being in a situation where it could happen. Mm -hmm. This person would try to, um, most of the time, try to separate me from other people. But sometimes, sometimes it was right in front of other people. Really? Yeah. He didn't seem to think that people realized what he was doing. Mm-hmm. And if he was doing it in front of other people, presumably they didn't. Is that true? Right. Right. It was, it would be a situation like this, swimming. Mm. We'd all go down to the pond and go swimming. And he would be, you know, tossing the other kids up into the water, you know, up into the air to dive into the water. And he would try to get me to do it too. But I knew, no, I can't go near him in the water because he has cover in the water. Gotcha. Um, but sometimes he would just, he would grab me anyway and uh, basically hug me there. 
yeah. with, you know, my backside pressed up against him and be holding me, be hugging mm-hmm. me. And, mm-hmm. and there were other people in the water. Yeah. Was this, uh, I don't want to get too specific so that you have to, you know, identify who this person is, but was it somebody who lived in your home with you? Yes. Okay. So there was a lot of opportunity for this. Yes. Yes. Uh huh. Um, and did, did you talk to anybody about it? Did you tell a parent or a teacher or anyone? No, Hmm. no. Because even from a young age, people in my own family knew about it. And it seemed to me that it was something because they knew about it, but they didn't stop it. Then it was something that's allowed. Yeah. Yeah. How did they know? Um, my mother knew. Uh, my mother. My mother saw it happen. A number of times. And she would just walk away. I am so sorry. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. that's It's not okay under any circumstances. It's particularly devastating when the people who are supposed to protect you don't. Right. And it, it makes it extremely confusing. Sure. Because as I said, you know that something's off kilter. And yet... No one's doing anything about it. No one's stopping it in any way. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned that when later, when you did start having sex, it there was a shame component. So oh, yes. were you taking shame onto yourself from this abuse? Like somehow you were perpetrating having it happen to you? That and also the fact that... Um, because I knew that what was happening wasn't right, shouldn't be happening, then for me that's what sex was, something that shouldn't happen. Ah, yeah. So then that was my outlook on sex. It's like uh, it was something to be hidden. Mm-hmm. Sure. I, I think that all young women have complicated relationships with their bodies because of right. all of the messaging we get. Was there, I imagine that having gone through this experience, there was maybe an added layer of that for you. What was your relationship like with your body as a young teenager? Uh, I hated my body. Mm. I hated my body because it was the source of something, something bad. Yeah. Something that you shouldn't be doing, sex. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. Thank you. Thank you yeah. for that sentiment. But um, I've come through it. I mean, I, I mm-hmm. don't feel that at this point I'm affected by it in any way. I was mm. affected for years and years and years. Sure. Um, but now it's like, it's okay. I know. What do you think helped you to move through it? I think it, it, it's not that... Wisdom comes with age, but I really think when people get to be in their 40s, you start analyzing and self-examining more. And I think I finally came to the conclusion that I was a child. I had no idea what this was or why it was happening. 
but I finally accepted the fact that I didn't do anything wrong, mm. that it wasn't my fault, mm-hmm. that I was okay. That's a really big deal to recognize that it's not your fault. I, I yeah. think a lot of us yeah. have struggled with that very thought. Yeah. 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 So, okay, let's go back to um, your teenager, teenage dumb. Teenage dumb. Yes, exactly that. Yes, yes, yes. So you mentioned that you started having sex at 15. Before you started having sex with another person, what I hope was consensual sex at at 15, did you have any self-exploration of your body? Did you you begin masturbating at any point? Um, Yes, yeah. I would say when I was about... 14. And how was that as an experience? Terrible, terrible, mm. because the guilt that went with that was so terrible. Yeah. In my mind, I was like, oh, my God, there's something wrong with me. Why am I doing this? Why do I feel this way? Why do I want to do this? Mm-hmm. And it was, no, 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 you should not be doing this in my yeah. head. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I do have one more question about the abuse, if, if that's okay with you. Yes. Um, I know that there are some uh, some women who were abused as children who ended up having some experience of pleasure during that abuse, just as sort of like an autonomic response that is yes. extraordinarily confusing uh, later yes. on. Is that something that you experienced? Yes. Yes. Yes, and and also during the the abuse because you are the special one, you're the special person. Then there's a feeling of it's good, yeah, but it's bad, yeah. And you and you might seek out the attention because somebody loves you this much. Yes, and that's what the feeling is. Somebody loves you, but then after a while, you realize no, 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 and then you. And that's when you try to make sure that you're not in a position where this person can um, can abuse you, can be with you, mm-hmm. can, which is very difficult when the person lives in the same house with you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that's something that I think is so important to talk about, the fact that there is sometimes a bodily pleasure signal that happens during abuse. And that does not in any way mean that you were culpable for what happened to you. Exactly. And I think that realizing that was part of my coming to the conclusion that that I wasn't the bad person. Mm. Yeah, you know, yeah, because even people in the family who knew some people actually gave me that impression also that it was my fault. Mm. So then you have all kinds of feelings, you know, everything, everything. Sure. Um, so when you started uh, having sex with another person, uh, again, I'm really hopeful it was consensual sex that it you was. chose. Okay, good. Um, what brought you to the place where you were like, I want to proactively share my body with another person? Um. I started dating someone and the urge was there. Yeah. I wanted to have sex. Mm -hmm. And 
was it pleasurable from the beginning or did you, I mean, you said you've had a lot of shame around it. Physically, it was pleasurable, but mentally and emotionally, not so much. Because mm-hmm. then I would think, there you go again. This is, you're doing something you shouldn't be doing. You're doing yeah. it. Why are you doing something you shouldn't be doing? Yeah. Didn't stop me from doing it, though. <laughs> <laughs> so this would have been, uh, I'm trying to do some quick math in my head, in the late 50s? 60s. Early, Early 60s. 60s. So, um, uh, well, I suppose. No, that was sort of before peace, love, and rock and roll happened. Yes, yes. So um, underage sex, sex before marriage, all of that was still pretty taboo at that point, right? Yeah, it was. It, it would be around 1964, uh-huh. right? So it was just on the cusp, just on the beginning of the sexual okay. revolution and uh, all of that. But oh yeah, premarital sex was 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 definitely a no no, and mm-hmm. having sex at fifteen was definitely a no no, and you know, kissing someone was even suspect. And really? in my in my house and my family, uh, they never said the word sex. They never said the word. Um, well, if they spoke about someone being pregnant, it was almost a whisper. <laughs> yeah, even if she was married. Oh wow! Really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh huh. And then someone else would say, well, with child. She's with child. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Goodness forbid we should acknowledge the realities of being female. Right. Right. (laughs) Yes. And if someone was pregnant and not married, oh, my God, that was was just a scandal. That was whispered. That was just whispered. No one talked about her. Were you sort of aware of the biological realities that having sense, uh, having sex meant that you could get pregnant? Yes. And yes. was that a concern for you? No. I think it was, it was, a, it was a, I knew that it could happen, but at 15, you're like, no, it's not going to happen to me, though. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get pregnant. That sure. happens to other people. That happens to bad girls. Oh, right. Sure. Not good girls. And I yeah. even with all the, the guilt and everything else I was feeling, I still felt I was a good girl. I was a good person. Yeah. So I wouldn't get pregnant. Were you using protection? No. Wow, you were lucky. Yes. Extremely oh lucky. Extremely lucky. How long did that relation that sexual relationship go on? I was 15 when I started dating him. And I think probably until I was only two years until I was like 17. Yeah, I think so. Two years is a long time 18. to be having sex without pregnant, without protection and not well, get that's pregnant. True. That's, true. that's true. Especially as a teenager. That is true. That's true. Yeah. Wow. Um, so in terms of your physical experience of that, sexual relationship did it do anything to sort of displace some of the memories of the abuse for you were you able to reclaim your body in any way or or were you still really steeped in the shame throughout yeah no still still steeped in the shame it it didn't help to uh to release anything um sometimes it just made it worse 
because mm. then if I enjoyed having sex, then I would say to myself, see, it was your fault. It was you. Yeah. You wanted it. You wanted that to happen. Yeah. And that went on for a very long time. Hmm. Um, did the boy who you were dating know your history? No. Mm-hmm. No. No one knew my history until I was in my 40s. Well, other than the people who were there when it right. happened. Sure. Um, but. Um, wow. And what, as a 15-year-old, I don't necessarily assume that people are going to have a great deal of understanding of how their body works or how their partner's body works. Right. Um, so what you've, you've said that you had some pleasure. Um, was the boy who you were having sex with, uh, sort of aware of your pleasure as a priority? I'm going to have to think for a minute. That was a very long time ago. Um, (laughs) no, I don't think, well, I don't know. I can't say whether he was aware of it or not. I made sure I was happy. Maybe I I wasn't aware of him so much as I was of myself. (laughs) (laughs) Truly. That's so interesting. Yeah. Truly. Yeah. So, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, as a matter of fact, when you you, um, said a couple of times, I hope it was consensual, your first sexual experience, I hope it was consensual. I almost said, well, it was for me. I'm not so sure about him. I think I kind of pushed him into it. Interesting. That actually doesn't entirely surprise me. As someone who was sexualized at a very young age, like you were, to want to then reclaim your body to, and all of this would have been happening at a subconscious level, right? but that drive to use sex to reclaim your body, and that you would be the primary driver of that. Right. Um, that doesn't Makes surprise sense. me at all. Yeah. 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 Um, so once that relationship was over, what happened next for you in terms of your sexuality? Oh, well, then I just, um, when I was, that went till I was about 17, maybe going into 18. And when I became 18, I started going out with friends to clubs, drinking mm-hmm. and everything. And then I just, I had a lot of sex. Uh huh. So now we're kind of firmly into sex, drugs, and rock and roll. <laughs> yes, yes. <Okay>. No drugs, <laughs> um, alcohol. Okay. <laughs> but yeah. So you were um, participating in free love, I guess we can say. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and 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 I. Yeah. I was just going to say, and I drank a lot. I uh-huh. drank a lot. I used to go out. Um, from Tuesday night to Sunday night. No, Wednesday yeah. night to Sunday nights. The only nights I stayed home were Monday and Tuesday because I had to rest. I did work. I did have a job. Uh-huh. And I rested two nights a, a week. But um, I went out and I, I drank a lot. And I had a lot of sex. And was that sex like primarily one night stands? Was it short term relationships? How were you engaging? One night stands. Uh huh. Go out and meet someone and how was that for you? Were you enjoying those experiences? Yes, at the at the time. But then I would always feel, I always felt like I was looking for something. Mm. It was almost like, well, let me see. Yeah, no, no, not you. Okay, bye. Okay, let me see if you have what I'm looking for. No, not you. Bye. 
And it was the emotional thing that I was looking for. Not, I thought it was, I thought that I could find what I wanted by having sex with yeah. a guy. And what I wanted, it's a cliche, I know, what I wanted was someone to love me. Of I course. wanted to feel that love, that I was the special person. Yeah. But it never was that. And yet being that special person also probably held that connotation of being controlled and abused. Right. At the right. same time. Yeah. What a complicated thing to, to yeah. go through. Yeah. Um, during this time of uh, having m- many partners, were you using protection? At that point, yes. Mm-hmm. Because um, friends that I had, girlfriends that I had, people that I started working with, and then we became friends. And um, <laughs> one night, one of my girlfriends asked me who my gynecologist was and I said I don't have one and they said well what do you do for protection and I said oh I'm I'm not doing anything and she was shocked she was Uh absolutely shocked and she said I'm taking you to my doctor this week you're getting on the birth control this is this is crazy if it wasn't for her I probably wouldn't have even then I get so many messages from listeners saying, thank you for the show. I've listened to the whole back catalog and it's helped me completely transform my sex life. Are you one of those people? If so, I'd love to have your support so I can keep growing this show and bringing a new vision of sexuality to the world. If you haven't done it yet, please take a moment to rate and review this podcast. I know the podcast industry does not make reviewing a show easy. So go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash good girls, and it should lead you through the process of posting a review. I'd love to get 100 reviews by the end of the year, and I could use your help. And if you have the financial resources to support the sex positive work I do, I'd be so grateful for your support at Patreon. Donating the equivalent of a fancy cup of coffee each month might not make a big difference to you, but it makes a huge difference to me. There's no contract or obligation. You can cancel at any time. And... I donate 10% of all proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are now either illegal or heavily legislated. It's easy to become a patron at patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. And speaking of Patreon... There is a treasure trove of additional audio at Patreon that's free for everyone to listen to. You don't even need to have a Patreon account to access it. Just go to patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex to start listening. I appreciate every one of you, whether you're a client, a contributor, a social media follower, or a silent listener. I trust you to know what's right for you. Thank you for being here. Now, let's get back to the show. At what point did the partying phase of your life pass by? (laughs) Um, 
when I met my first husband. And how old were you? 24, 25, 24, I think, somewhere around there. Okay. And how, why was he different? Um, I don't know. I just, I saw his face and I just fell in love. Hmm. I just fell in love with him. We started dating and that was it. Did you have sex quickly? Um, not right. Actually, when I first met him, I was going out with someone else. Uh huh. <laughs> and so it was like, oh, there he is again. Oh, there he is. Okay, I have to break it off with this guy because I just really like him. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think, yeah, probably it was fairly quickly. Yeah. Once I broke and up with the other guy, I I wouldn't sure. have sex with two different people at the same time. Uh huh. And how was the sex with your first husband? It was good. It was good because I took care of myself. I made sure Uh it was good for me. I don't think he had a clue what was good for his partner. Yeah. And we didn't talk about it. I mean, never. You made sure it was good for you. Yes. Was he making sure that it was good for him? Do you think? Yes. And obviously, even though I, I I was making sure it was good for me, it wasn't always because if he finished before I did, then that was it. So, uh, okay. So let me ask you the more specific question. How did you make sure that it was good for you? Like, what were you doing specifically? Um, I don't know how to answer that. I just made sure I enjoyed myself. Were you touching yourself? No. You, you were moving in certain ways so that various parts rubbed up against what needed yes. to be rubbed up against? Got yes, it. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> okay. That was very Excellent. good. <laughs> it's a good thing you're used to asking these questions, you know, how to get around. <laughs> um, so how did that relationship develop? Did how long were you? T- you said he was your first husband. So I imagine it ended. Um, it ended. Did you have kids? Um, how did how did that relationship go? We were married for six years. We had two kids. Okay. Um, my oldest daughter and um, and then we had a son. Um, and then after six years, he started dating someone else. Hmm. Um. So you've said that nobody knew about the abuse until you were in your 40s. So I assume that this, that your first husband did not know. Um, right. Going through the process of being pregnant and childbirth, how did that change your relationship with your body, if at all? I don't think it changed my relationship with my body. Did you still hate your body as much as you had when you were younger? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, I love that I was, that it was give me a child that I had. I love my child. I love my children. I love my babies. But um, as far as anything else is concerned, I didn't, didn't like my body at all. Yeah. Was it the specific aspects of your body? Like, did you look at your body and think, oh, I don't like my belly. I don't like my legs or whatever. Or was it just your body as a whole being that was the sort of the vessel for the abuse my body my body as a sexual thing as yeah this is 
don't I don't know how to describe this that my body brings me shame that my mm-hmm. body brings me pain you know yeah. why do I have to have this body why do I have to have a vagina why do I have to have breasts why do I have to have this mm-hmm. and and not just that but in general you know when you're when you're out or even when you're walking on the street and and men look at you and it's for me that was very it was very difficult because I wanted to be attractive to men, but at the same time, I resented it. I yeah. really resented it. Like, why? Why? Why is? Why are my body parts so important? Yeah. I'm more important than my body parts are. But you know, at the time, I, that was an argument that I had. Why? Why are my body parts so important? I should. I should be more important than my, the parts of me. Mm-hmm. And that was a very strong thing for a long time. Yeah, that that resonates very deeply for me. I I can really relate to to all of what you just said. Really? Yeah. And I think probably a lot of women can. Yeah. Like that that real push pull between I I want to be attractive. I want to show up and you know and be desirable. And at the same time, I really resent the fact that when you look at me, all you see, all you see. is my body and my breasts and my yes. hips or whatever. Yeah. Yes. Even making love with my husband, it, it, um, when he would enjoy touching my breasts and it'd be like, why, why are you enjoying that so much? That's just a part of me. And it would, it would cause issues in my mind. You know, that if I was, if my head wasn't here and my heart wasn't here, just my breasts, would he be happy? Interesting. What an interesting, yeah, that makes sense to me. Was the abuse focused on your breasts in any way? Well, not when it started because I was, you know, just had a little kid's chest. Um, Yes, yes. As my breasts started to grow, as they started to develop, yes. So uh, we know that a your first marriage ended after six years. Right. What happened next? Um, I was out and about for about a year. On what my does own. out and about out and mean? About. <laughs> <laughs> I started going out again with friends or with my sisters. Went out with my sisters a lot. We would just, let's uh-huh. just go out and have a good time. And we would. And then I met my second husband and um, I fell in love with him the minute I saw him. Hmm. And is this the man who you are still married to now? Yes. Yes. Okay. So, uh, so this has been a long-term relationship. This has been a long-term, yeah. <laughs> I think um, 38 years, 39 years. Oh, no, 40 years, because my youngest daughter is going to be 39 this year. Yeah. So uh, was the sex good right away or did it take some time to get into it together? It was good right away. Really? It was good right away. We actually met on a, a dance floor. Oh. Yeah, he was dancing. <laughs> I was dancing and we were like, oh, I want to dance with him. And he was like, oh, I want to dance with her. And I think it nice. was the dancing. If you that can dance together. awesome way. Yes. And <laughs> yeah. everything works. Yeah. So um, how long did it take for you to tell him about your background? Uh, Over 10 years. 
Wow. Because we met when we met, I was 30 or 31, and it wasn't until I was 41. Um, and at that time, that's when I, I told a lot of people because I was at work one day, and for some reason, something triggered something, and I just I fell apart. I fell mm-hmm. apart. And I said to the person I work with, I, I need to go home. I, I need to. And I called my husband. I said, I'm on my way home. I want you to meet me at home. We're going to take a drive out to a particular spot that we would like to sit and watch the water because I need to talk to you. Wow. And we did that. I went home, got in his truck. We went to this place that we'd like to sit, and, uh, and I started talking to him about it. What was that conversation like for you? Was it a relief? Was it? Uh... It was a relief, but it was also really, really hard. Yeah. It was hard. Um, as a matter of fact, I told him to bring a bottle of wine when, he, when I come home. Bring, pick up a bottle of wine because I'm going to need it to get through yeah. this. And how did he respond? He felt so bad for me. He hurt for me. He hurts. It was hard talking to him, knowing that it hurt him to hear it. But then um, it helped him because come to find out he was sexually abused as a child. Oh, my gosh. So the two of us helped each other tremendously. You know, he had never talked about it. He didn't talk about it at that moment with me either. But he felt Mm -hmm. safe later at another time to talk to me about his experience. Yeah. You know, the more stories that I hear from men, the more prevalent I think this is. I think this idea that um, little boys are abused far less frequently than little girls, I think it's just flat out wrong. It's not true. Right. It's not true. I think that they just don't have a place to talk about it. Right. And so it's vastly underreported. Right. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Did it change your relationship with each other when you first made your declaration and then he at some point made his declaration? Mm, That's kind of hard to say because right from the very beginning, we felt that we were um, supposed to be together, that I was there for him and he was there for me, even Mm -hmm. before either one of us knew about anything about sexual abuse about the other one. We just felt that we were supposed to be there for each other. I think it, yeah, it didn't change us. It didn't change us in any way. I want to invite you to imagine for a moment what your ideal sex life looks like and feels like. Who are you with? What type of sex do you have together? How do you feel while touching them? And how does your body feel when they touch you? Or maybe you'd like to be having less sex than you're currently having. If you don't know, or if that vision of your ideal doesn't look at all like what's currently going on in your bedroom, I can help. With personalized sex and intimacy coaching, we'll explore where you are, how you got here, where you want to be, and the steps to help you get there. 
There are no right or wrong answers, just the answers that work for you. I understand that exploring your sexuality and all that goes with it, your body image, your belief in your lovability, and more can be terrifying. Believe me, I sat in the middle of that fire for decades. I know how painful it is. But I also stepped out the other side, stronger, more confident, and more certain of my lovability and desirability, and I want the same for you. I work with couples and one-on-one, whether you've never explored your sexual desires before, or you want to explore things you've never done before, like maybe BDSM or non-monogamy, or if you and your partner need some help figuring out how to communicate together so you can have better sex. I'm queer, kinky, and poly-friendly, and I want you to have a deeply fulfilling, intimate life. Together, we can help you get there. For more information and to schedule your free discovery call, visit leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. A new client recently said that before her discovery call, she was extremely nervous, but that I made the experience feel easy and comfortable. So book your free discovery call today at leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. In your relationship with him, whether before or after you made this revelation, how was your feeling about your body? Had it improved over time, either with age or with sharing what had actually happened to you? I think it helped because in my 40s, I, in my 40s, my husband, and I had a really good sex life. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What yeah. was so good about it? Um, well, having sex was always great, but it was great before that too. But we think we were a little more open with each other about it after that. Like if there was something that I liked, I would let him know that I liked it. Or if there's something I didn't like, I'd let him know that I didn't like it. And the same, (laughs) yeah, yeah. And the same for him and the same for him. We explored each other a little more, I think, because we weren't, um, we weren't afraid to say that something gave us pleasure. Hmm. That's huge. Yeah. 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 Um, so we've already referenced the fact that you've been through menopause. Um, how old were you when that happened? Actually, I had a hysterectomy. Okay. Uh, years ago when I was 40. Okay. So that you went through a, a induced menopause or whatever they call it. Yeah. Right. Okay. So did you have any, um, did that change your experience of sex in any way? No. Really? No. So you, um, did your lubrication remain the same? And yes. Sort of, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, well, I should specify I had a partial hysterectomy. I still have my ovaries. Mm-hmm. So I suppose that the hormonal, the hormonal change wasn't that great because I still had my ovaries. Uh-huh. But no, everything, it still felt the same. Excellent. And so are you still sexually active with your husband now? No. Okay. Um, by choice or just? It, it, yeah, by choice, but not by conscious choice, just because it, it, 
I just don't feel that way anymore. Uh-huh. I don't feel, uh, I just don't feel that way anymore. Do you think that he does? Occasionally he does. Not a lot, mm-hmm. but occasionally. And when that happens, what do the two of you do? Well, there have been a couple of times in recent years where we both kind of felt like, oh, well, let's, hey, we haven't had sex in a long time. Let's let's do it. And it, neither one of us could. My mind wouldn't get in it, so my body wouldn't get in it, and his body definitely was not in it. Yeah. So. Do you miss it? No, I don't miss it. I don't mm-hmm. miss it at all. Every once in a while, every once in a while, I'm sorry, every once in a while when my husband and I uh, will be doing something, and for us, we would have the best sex when we were younger, when we were doing something together, whether it was cleaning the house, say we're going to have a party and we're both getting the house ready for the party, or um, if we were at a wedding and we're dancing a lot, dancing always would do it for us, dancing. Mm -hmm. If we were dancing all night, then we couldn't keep our hands off of each other. (laughs) <laughs> really so every once in a while now we'll be doing something where we're working together on something and i'll kind of look at him and i'll get that little thought but there's but there's no follow there's nothing else it'll it's just a fleeting thought of oh yeah this that closeness that closeness is it's so it's so important yeah do you think that it's a hormonal thing? Like your hormones just don't pump in that same way? Do you think it's a mental thing? Do you have any sense of what it's about? Um, no, I think it's just, I, I don't know. I just, I don't think that way anymore. I don't, and I don't get, I don't have that warm, you know, you would get that warm feeling of, oh, I'd really like to be close to him right now, or I'd really to have, like to make love to him right now. I just don't get that feeling anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. I don't know why. Are the do the two of you still have other kinds of intimate touch? Do you cuddle? Do you stroke each other? Do you touch in other ways? We hug. We hug a lot. Mm-hmm. Eh, but that's about it. You know. And does that satisfy your need for touch? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Good. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> I'm glad I for see you. Him. I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm glad for you that you have what you need, regardless of how it looks. I think all that is really important is that we get our needs met. Right. Now it's time for the lowdown, the things we're dying to know, but would usually be too polite to ask any good girl. What is your relationship with your body like today? I, I think we've come to a, a, a kind of a peaceful, um, uh, what's the word I want? Coexistence. My mind and my body. Um, Yeah. So it's no longer a source of shame for you? No. No. Do you think that happened? You've mentioned a couple of times that things shifted a lot in your 40s. Is that when you think that that uh, sort of detente happened? I think it started then. I think it's taken years for me to get to this point. Mm -hmm. 
but I think it started then. How long ago was it that you were having regular sex? Or or I guess I should say, how long ago did you transition to this space where you're not engaging sexually? I think, uh, well, I know because I, I have to end it put something else in the story here. Um, my husband is an alcoholic. He's a sober alcoholic now. Mm-hmm. But seven years ago, when we reached the point where he had to do something about it is when our intimacy stopped. I Actually, see. probably the year before that. Um, uh-huh. He is a sober. He is sober now. He's been sober for seven years. And he's been just fantastic. He's worked really hard at it. And he's, he's great. Is there anything that you have ever fantasized about that you didn't have a chance to try? No, I don't think so. Uh, Besides having sex with Burt Reynolds, no. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) Lois, this has been simply marvelous. Thank you so much, not Thank just for your willingness you. to do it, but for being so brave. Thank you, Leah. I, I, I'm glad I did it. I was hesitant. I was doubtful, but I'm glad I did it. That's it for today. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts Or if you're using another podcast app, go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash goodgirls. And remember, there's a treasure trove of audio extras available for free at Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash goodgirls talk about sex. While listening to those extras is free, producing this show is not. If my work is meaningful to you, and you have a few dollars to support it each month, I will gratefully accept your patronage at Patreon. I donate 10% of all Patreon proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are increasingly difficult to obtain. Find out more and become a community member at patreon.com forward slash goodgirlstalkaboutsex. Show notes and transcripts for this episode are at goodgirlstalk.com. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at goodgirlstalk for more sex-positive content. If you have a question or comment about anything you've heard on the show, call and leave a message at 720-GOOD-SEX. Good Girls Talk About Sex is produced by me, Leah Carey, and edited by Gretchen Kilby. I have additional administrative support from Lara O'Connor and Maria Franco. Transcripts are produced by Jan Asiello. Before we go, I want to remind you that the things you may have heard about your sexuality aren't true. You are worthy. You are desirable. You are not broken. As your sex and intimacy coach, I will guide you in embracing the sexuality that is innately yours, no matter what it looks like. To set up your free discovery call, go to leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. Until next time, here's to your better sex life. <laughs>